Take a deep breath. And another one. It feels lovely, doesn't it? If you've ever been the kind of unwell where you can't do that, you know how terrifying it can be and how tenuous life feels in that struggle. Dr Matt Barton is a bioscience lecturer and a research member of the Menzies Health Institute for Queensland and Clem Jones Centre for Neurobiology and Stem Cell Research. Hello, Doctor. Hello, how are you? Very well. Do you prefer to be addressed as doctor in all times of your life, Matt? Or are, no, you, no, are, you, are you comfortable with Matt? Matt Matt's, Matt's fine. <laughs> because I'd love to have a title like that. Yes, I'll clean your car, doctor. <laughs> Let's talk about lungs yep. and dysfunctions and diseases. What are some of the most... And by the way, if you have a question, if you've got trouble with your lungs, and of course, if you do, you do need to seek medical and professional help Definitely. from someone who can see you face to face. But <laughs> of a more general nature... Um, if you have a question about uh, your treatment or your symptoms, do give us a call on 1300 222 612. So what are the most common lung or respiratory diseases affecting Australians, Matt? Yeah, so firstly, just um, some generalities. So approximately one in four Australians will have some degree of lung conditions or disease, and that will equate to approximately one in seven deaths uh, from a lung basis or lung disease basis. Yeah. So it's got a significant burden on the health system. Now, <clears throat> with those lung conditions, you can probably look at about 30 types of lung conditions that affect Australians. Now, they, those 30 can be further subdivided into two, and they are broken into what we call obstructive disorders and restrictive disorders. Now, the obstructive disorders are essentially obstructing airflow, getting in and also out of the lungs. Now, these are the most common ca causes of lung conditions in Australia. Now, these can be broken into something that we call COPD or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and the common types in that are emphysema and chronic bronchitis. And the other common type in the obstructives are asthma. And so the obstructives in, the, in those categories are very, very common. So about one in seven people will have um, COPD over the age of 40. So it's quite common. So that's the obstructives. Now, going to the restrictives, this is essentially you just can't expand your lungs out to get a full breath. And that's usually to do with something either you've got something wrong with your chest wall, so you've got rib problems, sternal problems, or vertebral problems, or nerves that are going to your muscles aren't working, so you might have a spinal cord injury or peripheral nerve injury or dysfunction, or you've got actually a problem with your lung tissue and that just won't expand. It should be like a balloon, but it becomes stiff and it just won't expand anymore. Now, the last type, which is kind of fits into the mixed combination of obstructive and restrictive, and this is lung cancer. Now, lung cancer is the biggest killer of cancers in Australia. So, if you were to put, say, um, breast cancer, prostate cancer, ovarian cancer, bowel cancer all together, lung cancer would still kill more people. And so, you're looking at about one person in, a, in an hour in Australia will die from lung cancer. As someone that smoked when they were young, you are causing my anxiety levels <laughs> to rise quite strongly. How, if you <coughs> are a smoker or have been a smoker, what does that do to those statistics? Yeah, well, so smoking is the biggest risk factor for, as you'd imagine, the majority back, the, the majority of um, lung conditions and lung cancer, it's the biggest risk factor, same with COPD. But if you um, stop smoking, the, the risks drop quite dramatically. It will never go back to zero, but it will go significantly down. So that would be advised 
to give up if you can. Because I have heard some, and we're not going to make this a whole discussion about smoking, but you speak lungs and, and smoking is, a, is an obvious connection. I have heard some of my friends who smoke and are now in their 40s that say, what's mm. the point? Damage is right. done. Going to die of it anyway. May yeah. as well go out with a fag in my mouth. No, I mean, I definitely wouldn't advise that. And uh, I mean, I worked in a, a respiratory lab and when I did my PhD in a sleep respiratory lab and you see people with, particularly with emphysema and they would have had that attitude when they were, say, 40, but now when they're 50 to 60 and they've got grandkids, um, they regret it and they, you know, they can't walk to the toilet without an oxygen bottle. And, yeah, if they would turn back time, they would. So I definitely, I mean, I've never never smoked, so I've never been addicted, so I could never say, you know, it's easy to just give up. But that would be my opinion and my suggestions. As someone who's seen what happens. Yeah, yeah, it's quite devastating. That. Yeah. What other substances are also harmful apart from cigarettes? So talking in terms of things that we inhale, <clears throat> now, other things, you know, we ingest can be bad for our lungs, but in terms of th things that we can inhale that will be detrimental to our lungs, generally broken into two types. They're organic things and there's inorganic things. So the organic things um, usually leads to an inflammation of our lungs, so it's a hypersensitive pneumonitis, which is uh, pneumonia would fall into this category. Now, there's a whole list of different organic molecules or material that we can ingest, and it usually goes with the environment that we're in. And they've created, so the medical doctors have created this long list of idioms that have these weird names like bird fancier's lungs or barista's lungs or oh. baker's lungs, farmer's lungs, wine maker's lungs. So working will kill you. Is that where we're going with this? <laughs> Almost. So um, farmer's lungs. So what do you think the problem would be with a farmer? Dirt, pollen, pesticides. But mouldy hay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. And animals tend to give off all yeah. manner of so bacteria. So, bird fanciers' lungs, that would be feathers and bird droppings. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at um, making wine, that would be mould. So, you know how you kind of get the strawberries and it has got mould on it? That um, can get spores into your airways, down into your lungs, causes inflammation, becomes ex exaggerated, and that can, if that doesn't resolve, it can cause um, fibrosis. How would that manifest? How would I know? <clears throat> Well, it probably starts with, sometimes for me, um, when I shovel a lot of mulch, um, you get all those kind of spores that come off and then I'll probably cough for the rest of the day and um, a bit of chest tightness, um, but it resolves. I mean, I probably really should wear a face mask. It says that on the packet, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you do it long term, then, yeah, you're going to get a chronic inflammation and that can scar and then that causes those restrictive diseases. Now, in terms of inorganic, these are things that we inhale or people potentially inhale like coal dust that can cause black lung or silica or asbestos and that can it's not organic so it's uh, at least coal is inert so it doesn't usually cause a, an immune reaction straight away but it's just it's built up over time will cause scarring now asbestos that's a, a kind of a, a fiber an inorganic fiber and that i think the blue type is much worse and that would also cause a kind of fibrosis in the lung. But if that can migrate outwards to, say, the lining, which we call the pleura, it can lead to a cancer that we call mesothelioma. And that's a fairly common one that we hear in the media and so forth. And it's like, got a high fatality rate. Yeah, once it's developed, yeah. And, I mean, all lung cancers. So I remember this quite clearly in my undergrad. A uh, cardiothoracic surgeon said if he had 100 patients come to him in the clinic 
with lung cancer that's been diagnosed. Uh, from that 100, 25, straight away from the scans, he will say, I can't operate, and they will be dead within three years. Um, 75 that he would take into the operating room, about 25 would be a, an open and closed straight away and just said, look, it's too far, I can't do anything. They would be dead in three years. And then from the 50, about 35 would die within the three years. So about 15%, 15 out of the 100 will have a five-year survival rate. So I don't want that to happen to me. What can I do? Um, well, or am I just genetically, environmentally, is there is there a reductive thing that I can do? Well, keep an eye on them. So go see your physician. Make sure you're constantly checking on it. Um, you've stopped smoking, so that's a good thing. Um, just exercise, good health. Um, that's the best you can do. And just hope your genetics is fine. They're not bad mm. for that one. Yeah. Got a couple of troubles in there, but that's not <coughs> one of them. Matt Barton is my guest. He is a bioscience lecturer and research member of the Menzies Health Institute of Queensland and Clem Jones Centre for Neurobiology and Stem Cell Research. He's a doctor. And he is an expert in this field. So if you have a question for him about your lungs or about your understanding of medical science around this area, please feel free to give us a call on 1300 612. Let's talk about coughing. Why do we cough? Which I'm doing at the moment. You are. Are you all right? What's happening yeah. over there? I don't know. It's just something that's come up today. Sometimes it's the air in here. Yeah. It's very it's very dry because of all the equipment. Could it be us? Is it us and no, not you? No, it was you? before today. Right. Well, at the start of the day. Given what so, you know about lungs, do you get worried when you cough? Not usually. Not usually. <laughs> okay, so coughing, um, broken down into two kind of types. You have a voluntary type and you have involuntary type. So that's generally if you have any irritation above your vocal cords or on your vocal cords, that's an involuntary cough. And that's kind of, I'm sure you've, you've experienced this where you're kind of talking and you swallow and it goes down and then you almost spit all over your friends. Mm -hmm. so, or on the microphone. It happens to be on air all the time. So that is involuntary, no control over. And that's a protective mechanism to stop anything getting in your airway. So any, any kind of thing that can go down your airway and hit your vocal cords, it will close them. And that's a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing because if you have a substance that stays on your vocal cords, then it will just shut close, you know, permanently and you won't be able to breathe. So that's the involuntary types. The voluntary is where you have any kind of irritation below the vocal cords. Now, your whole respiratory tract, or at least down to the bronchioles, has kind of like little hairs on them. Mm -hmm. So little eyelashes, they're called cilia, and surrounding them is a mucus. And it's, so it's hoped that when we inhale air, there might be some bacteria or pollen or dust or something in it as well and that will get stuck in the in the mucus but all those little hairs just like say the wind blowing in a in a wheat field as poetic as that is it is um, <laughs> will push push the pollen or push the the particle up towards your throat where you can either swallow it or spit it out on the ground depends how you feel now with smokers again i'm not trying to target you here <laughs> stop looking at me i gave up um, How many years ago now? I gave up, well, the last one I ever had, I went social for a while, and I know as a doctor you must hate that term, but it's been seven years. Okay. 
Can I get a lift? I'm, I'm joking. So, yeah, smokers cough. So, smokers, they can, the, the smoke itself can irritate their cilia and maybe paralyze them, and if long enough, can kind of kill them off. Mm. And so, we don't have that ability, or the smokers don't have the ability to get rid of the, the clearance of those particles. So, anymore. that's permanent. I thought yeah. that was, someone told me that that was just, there was a chemical in cigarettes that is a cough suppressant, but it, it, yeah, it can just cause when you smoke, but it, then it's so, yeah. but it is a permanent thing. Yeah, so it can cause a, cause a condition called metaplasia, which is just a change in the cell type, and so that can uh, long term can alterate those kind of cilia into a different type of cell, and they lose that uh, protective mechanism, and so they rely on a cough to clear, and so that's why they always got a cough. Medical yeah. advice from a listener. Let us check if it is indeed medical advice. Um, Donald has SMSed. If that is indeed a word, Donald, um, does breathing in, or it is a question, sorry, I did think it was written as a statement, does breathing in vaporised tea tree or eucalyptus oil kill off mould in your respiratory tract? Well, <clears throat> good question. So, we do know, at least anecdotally, when you breathe in steam, you know, how you kind of put your head over a hot um, bath and breathe in, in that kind of moist air, that can break up the mucus and so they used to use that with asthma with children mm. asthma they put them into a, a shower and just turn on the hot water and then all that steam it probably um, breaks up the mucus and allows a greater clearance and more air to get down for gas exchange in terms of tea tree oil i'm not sure i'm not sure how well that can aerate and get down i know it is antimicrobial so it's good say on the wounds and so forth externally but whether it can get so the same application can get down into your lungs. I'm not sure. So that would have to be, you know, advice from a respiratory physician. I'd I'd say. I do know, say, manuka honey, which I think is pollen from um, tea tree. That's very beneficial in in the gut um, for a number of things, for probiotics and so forth. Whether it's in your lungs, I'm not sure. Is there a rule of thumb when it comes to coughing? Um, if you're, if it's not the kind of cough where you you must cough or or you'll you feel like you're going to choke, should you be trying to clear out everything? I get nervous when I have phlegm and I just try and get it all up. But I have also had the advice that you shouldn't do that because it will exhaust your lungs. So is there a, is there a rule of thumb on yeah, the I'm on the sure. to cough I'm, or not to cough? Well, I guess it's. You shouldn't inhibit something that your body's trying to do. That would be my first guess. But again, I guess these are questions you probably should direct to the, the specialists on. Um, if it's productive, so you're trying to get something out, I guess that's something you should definitely try to do. Um, if it's a dry, irritated cough that just doesn't really do in a great deal that, and it's chronic, any kind of cro cough that's chronic long-term, you probably should investigate. It could be a number of things, um, but it definitely... I would be worth investigating, but I'm not sure whether, you know, trying to hold back is something you should do or not. Is it true that if you if you are productive, I'm being, I know people might be eating, I'm being careful how we're saying that, but if you are productive, uh, is it true that if you swallow that, then you will be swallowing more of the virus? Or is the stomach acid strong enough yeah. to make that not I think in most cases thing? your stomach acid's pH of 2, 0 to 2 would kill the majority of things off. Maybe a very small amount. I mean, there's one type of bacteria that can survive in your stomach that can cause the stomach ulcers, but I wouldn't imagine a great deal from your respiratory tract would want to live down in your stomach. So I'd probably avoid swallowing if you can, especially if you're producing a lot of mucus. You'd probably want to just put it into a hanky uh, or a tissue, probably not on the ground because um, that will spread it. Um, Unless you're a runner. There's a lot of that going on. Have you, do you run, Dr. I Ray? don't. I do. 
Well, runs to try and put word. up the runners behind you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cop that. No, I, I see. I run quite slowly. Um, it's it's a lope. I like to think so. I see a lot of it because the people who go past uh, me, right. but they they seem to think because they are exercising, it's fine. Um, to you got an excuse for it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What about, and there was a, it was in uh, Victoria, I believe, a little while ago, there was the thunderstorm, mm. asthma. Right. Um, let's talk about asthma. Okay. Is it is it something that can come and go? Let's talk about the, tell me yeah. about asthma. Yeah, cause so asthma is in the category of obstructive disorders. So, if you think about it like if you had a balloon <clears throat> and you draw, drew circles on the balloon and then blew the balloon up, as it inhales or gets bigger, those circles would get bigger. And so that's generally what happens to our airways when we breathe in. The The smaller holes, the smaller tubes actually get bigger. And when it deflates, they get smaller. And so for the obstructive conditions, the, the general problem is breathing the air out, not the air in. Mm. So with asthma, it is the little muscles that are around the tubes become either too big, so they become hypertrophied, and they become contracted, so they narrow the airway. Now, with asthma compared to emphysema and bronchitis, chronic bronchitis, it's generally considered to be reversible. So, it will go in episodes, like you said. Now, it's generally got an inflammatory basis, so it's a reactionary um, condition. So, it's there's two types. There's generally an external and an internal, or a uh, an allergy-based one. And so, People, this is the, the most common type, people generally will react to something and that reaction causes the inflammatory response and the constriction. So, from the top of your head, what are the kind of things that you know that potentially people may have an asthma response to? Dust, pollen, yeah. yep. animals and the many things that come off them. Um, <laughs> perfume. Yeah, they're all irritants. Yeah. Pollen, I said pollen. Um, exhaust fumes. Yep. Yeah, that's all I got for you. So the big ones, cold air. Mm -hmm. oh, right. Our lungs really don't like cold air. Sudden burst of cold air. Potentially, right. and it's usually why it's worse in winter. Mm -hmm. If you have ever noted, you know, if you uh, exercise in on a cold winter's night, you'll start coughing. Mm -hmm. Your airways really hate cold air. That's why we try to breathe through our nose because it will humidify it for you. The other one is exercise. So any type of exercise can induce asthma as well. Some drugs can bring on an asthma attack like um, Nurofen or NSAIDs and maybe some beta blockers. Beta blockers. Why? Um, <clears throat> well, aspirin or um, Nurofen, they potentially create some prostaglandins or block prostaglandins which have a degree of opening smooth muscles. And so that is a thought. Or it could be just an allergy response. So I guess the take-home message with, with asthma, it, it is a, a hypersensitive Condition. So, generally, these people also get hay fever, potentially eczema as well. So, they do have an immune, a hyperimmune response. So, they probably overreact to the no most people. Now, with the with the thunderstorm, so basically what happens... Now, the, the one in Melbourne, was it w worse in Melbourne? Mm. Yeah. So, the thought behind that was Melbourne or Victoria had a very uh, wet spring. And so... There was a lot of plant life and a lot of grass, and with that, there was a lot of pollen leading into summer. So when the thunderstorms come in, all the um, the wind sucks the pollen up into the clouds, and the clouds kind of mush the pollen into smaller particles, 
so they're really microscopic. And then once the, the front comes along, it pushes those pollens back down into the atmosphere or into the environment. And they will get, because they're so small now, the pollen, it gets right down in the airways. Right. I'm and just reading, um, I don't pretend to have remembered all of this information. It was back in November <coughs> 2016. High pollen, strong winds, hot temperatures, air moisture and a cold front. Yeah. That's Sometimes you notice with, say, a westerly, um, you'll start to cough and sneeze before the actual change comes in. and that, So, it's usually everything that's carried in the wind will sit in front of the front. And so, with the thunderstorm, it kind of, before the rain and everything comes in, the wind pushes the pollen in. And But part of the problem that happened is between, between a quarter and a half of Australians don't, that have asthma don't manage it well. Mm. And so, they just rely on their Ventolin. And most physicians, respiratory physicians, would say you shouldn't be using Ventolin. That's really the last straw. So you should be using the preventers, like the steroids, um, to prevent any kind of... I thought they were bad for you long term. Well, they would. So there, there should be a whole lot of things you should be using to um, reduce the the triggers and, and just generally managing the asthma. But the, the bronchodilators like Ventolin shouldn't be just used as a last measure. So you should be trying to prevent that even happening by, say, the long-standing or maybe the longer-lasting um, bronchodilators. Is there anything you should do? I uh, Just a, a weird one. Am I, I'm, I'm from Melbourne, but I'm allergic to Melbourne. Every time I go back there, I get hay fever. I've been allergy tested. They don't know what it is. Um, Could I've, be all the coffee. So the <laughs> barista's lung. I'm allergic to hipsters. Um, but every time I go, it happens. Um, and I end up wheezing and all of the things. Um, apart from taking antihistamines, if you are a person that has a particular reaction to an environment yeah. um, and not just a you know, Melbourne, maybe it's shopping centres or whatever it is that's in your life. Is there anything you can do um, to, so that you don't, you're not just dealing with it once it's happened? Yeah, so in that case, you probably should go see the, your physician and see if you actually might have asthma so they can do certain pulmonary function tests on you and can even provoke an asthma attack. So they can give you some chemicals that you and I would bronchoconstrict on, so we would react to, but a person with asthma would much stronger. And so potentially people who didn't have it in childhood may develop in adulthood. Less likely, but it is potential. And so possibly even those ones that were affected with the thunderstorm asthma didn't think they had it or they, they thought they had it under control or it, you know, they had it as a child but it disappeared. And it was only in an extreme case like when the thunderstorm came in with all that pollen that they reacted so badly to it. So if you do have those kind of symptoms, I would recommend maybe seeing your GP and seeing if you can get a test done. Get onto it. Yeah. Dr. Matt, one final question for you. What should we be doing to keep our lungs healthy? Yeah, so actually I've got a, some, well, a series of questions for you. Ooh. Now, I did print this off from the Lung Foundation of Australia, so they have some good resources online. So if you do have a loved, loved one or friends that do have um, any respiratory or lung conditions, I would recommend going on this website. We will tweet the link from yep. ABC Brisbane so that you can find it there, yes. So some of the things that they recommend... Uh, you know, wearing the appropriate equipment when you're doing those kind of um, things like I was doing, like shoveling mulch or any dust or anything like that to prevent that getting down into your lungs. Um, if you are susceptible with lung conditions, to maybe immunisation against um, influenza mm -hmm. um, or any other kind of vaccination that is protecting of the lungs. Um, quitting smoke. 
definitely that's a good one. Um, and a good diet and um, exercise. Now, finally, we've got a couple of seconds. Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, they do have a checklist. So they, there's a series of questions that they have posed. And w if you go through these and depend on how you answer, may give you a score of risk in terms of certain lung conditions. So what I'll do is I'll ask you these questions and you can just give me a yes or no. Okay. All right. So, so this is their checklist. Have you a new or persistent or a changed cough? No. No. Do you cough up mucus, phlegm or blood? Yes. Okay. So I'll put a yes for that one. Um, do you get breathless often compared to people with maybe you're the same age? No. No. Um, do you ever experience chest tightness or a wheeze? Yes. Just in Melbourne? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, how frequent are your chest... Well, have you got frequent chest infections? Uh, it depends on what frequent means. Yeah, I would say I more frequent than others, yes. Okay. Um, chest pain or fatigue or sudden weight loss? <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. That's a serious question. I just would really love some weight loss. No, I have not. Okay. That has not happened. Um, now I know the answer to this one. Have you smoked or ever smoked? Yes. Or do you smoke? No. Um, okay. And have you worked in a profession where they're exposed to dust, gas or fumes? Yes. Okay. So there's a few yeses there. So... They'll give you a score based on that. So if you go to the website, they'll give you a score and then they'll give you potentially um, further investigations to look into. Right. Yeah. So they could look at things like cancer, COPD, asthma, that's and, that kind of thing. And how to get ahead of it. Yeah, definitely. Rather but than just scare you until you're probably going to die. They're, yeah. They're ways of, okay. And compared to m many other diseases, Australians are pretty bad with it. So we're only, only half of Australians think that they really care about their lungs. We're pretty bad with yeah. that across, across the uh, We're the lowest insured people in the world um, was one st um, statistic I heard. Um, we, are, we don't go to the doctor. Mm. Is, it, is it in your medical experience just a case of she'll be right, Australia? Probably. And, but, and we're also the worst in terms of sympathy. So um, people who have lung conditions, we basically think Australia out of at least 15 countries said that they deserve it. <laughs> So we're pretty. That's rough. Empathy, yeah. We will tweet the link to that quiz so that you can get the information you need. If you were along with me, I answered more yeses than I thought I would. I thought I'm fairly healthy, but I will jump on that mm. when we come off air. Dr. Matt Barton, thank you very much. Thanks for having me.